Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, D-I-A-H mamas. Sarah here, and I want to take a quick second to tell you about something that I made for you. Yes, you. Moms just like you and me who are clear that we need to take time for ourselves and experience balance, but sometimes we aren't quite sure how to do it. And I get it. So I created the Balanced Mama Moment audio series, an audio experience that dives into what it means to make a Balanced Mama Moment for yourself and how you can apply that to all areas of your life and help you in this crazy journey that is motherhood. So go to sarahbivens.com and click on Balanced Mama right now to learn more and to sign up. Again, that's sarahbivens.com and click on Balanced Mama. Hey, I'm Sarah. When planning our home birth, my husband Matthew and I were really frustrated by the lack of empowering and honest home birth resources. So we created this podcast to start a new conversation for moms and families like us. This is Doing It at Home. Hey everyone, welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. And today we have another amazing birth story for you. But before we jump into that, I just want to share a couple of things. One, if you are not subscribed to the show, subscribe to the show do it in iTunes, or you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. And check out our website, diahpodcast.com. We have a lot of really cool things going on there, like free resources, our latest ebook, 12 Things That Made Our Home Birth Awesome. And you can find out how to connect with the show more and support the show to keep it going, to keep us running, bringing you awesome content and stories and all other sort of great things. So you can check all of that out at diahpodcast.com. And we are also looking for some specific kind of birth stories that we want to share on the show that we either haven't done yet or want to include more of and add more of a voice to, to represent these types of birth stories. So if you or someone you know has a home birth story that involves a same-sex couple, an unplanned home birth, or a home birth situation where dad or birth partner was really not on board, like complete opposite, and eventually came around. We'd love to hear an example of that. And any pregnancies that were particularly challenging with any sort of medical conditions or just factors that made the pregnancy experience a little challenging and yet still uh had a home birth experience. So we want stories like this to add to the narrative of home birth and empowering birth conversations. So if this is you or someone you know, please reach out to us. You can email us through our website or you can send us a direct email to hello at diahpodcast.com. And you can connect with us on Instagram at diahpodcast. So now that that's out of the way, introducing today's birth story. So we're speaking with Azra, and Azra is from Canada. She's from Ontario and uh, pretty cold up there right now. And she took some time to hang out with us and share both of her home birth stories. And she addresses the question of, is it possible to have a traumatic home birth? You know, that's something that we haven't talked about on the show before or you know, had a home birth story that involved trauma necessarily. And I think it's really important to have this conversation to share that regardless of location, birth can still leave 
some disappointment, some frustration, some traumatic elements to it. And Azra is super open and authentic and vulnerable with her sharing and how she experienced a little bit of trauma in her first birth and a home birth, but how she takes that experience and moved into a big space of mindfulness and opening up to heal and to have a different kind of experience for her second birth. And that's exactly what she did. So she shares with us her journey of all that and everything in between. And she's so awesome. She's so fun. I'm so glad we had her on the show. And uh, I'm going to stop talking so you can listen to her and her birth story. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Azra. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. How are you? Hello, hello. Well, I'm pretty good um, considering I've got um, two kids under two at home and I'm on my second round of coffee. So I'm pretty good. Not <laughs> yet. Hey. Well, well, we appreciate you carving out some time to hang out with us because we get it. Even with one, when whenever we do anything early in the morning, we have to uh, get ourselves really revved up and going. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're so welcome. And, and thank you um, for hosting this podcast. I really think it's such a great resource to have. And I'm so excited to be yes. here today. Yes. Okay. Well, kick us off by just telling us a little bit about you and your family. Okay, so um, like I just uh, foreshadowed a little bit, I do have two kids under two. Uh, our oldest son is named Dominic, and we also have a little daughter named Mila, and my uh, partner in crime is Rich. We live in southern Ontario uh, in a little town called Guelph, and it's actually um, what most people would say an old hippie town. So we have this really cool music festival every summer, and we have these really cool like, cafes and restaurants downtown that are very walkable, which we love. But we're about 40 minutes west of Toronto. Um, if you guys are ever around, you're more than welcome to come um, yeah. and show with us. So, yes. yeah. Hit up all those shops and festivals and live that Canadian hippie life. I'm all about it. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, I've never seen more people uh, baby wearing and more toddlers just cool. you know, in a drum circle ever in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but apparently it, helped, uh, it happens here in Guelph. So That's so cool. And you're not originally from Canada, correct? That's right. So I was born in Bosnia and um, at... Um, the age of three, we moved to Germany because there was a falling out over there and a civil war. And we moved to Germany where I grew up and eventually left at about the age of 11. And uh, yeah, we just came to one place in southern Ontario called Kitchener, Kitchener-Waterloo. And um, Guelph is only like half an hour away from Kitchener. And I stole my husband away from his hometown, Guelph, for <laughs> a little bit. And then we moved back here. And uh, interesting note, I was pregnant both of the times that we moved homes. Um, not as a cop-out, you know, <laughs> from not having to lift boxes, but... Um, <laughs> we were but hey, if it goes that way, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, I just do uh, delegating really well, apparently, so... Whatever. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Work those strong suits and know your role That's and right. serve it well. I, I'm all about yes. it. Okay. Cool. Well, 
you know, I asked about, you know, where you're from originally, because I think that's a cool aspect um, and an interesting element to bring in when we do talk about, mm-hmm. you know, your birthing style and choices and lifestyle, you know, how that might have an impact, because I don't know many people outside of the U.S. who have chosen home birth mm-hmm. or from outside of the U.S. So I, I think that's a really cool perspective that you bring. Um, and I'm sure listeners will be interested in that. Um, so to, to kind of get mm-hmm. into that, how did home birth come on your radar or, or come up as something that you and your family chose? Right. So I think um, as most people decide to have home birth, um, it really started from um, me reading about birth. So um, I went with a midwifery clinic when I knew I was pregnant and I had had some girlfriends already that had had kids at that point. And I didn't really um, have a reason for choosing a midwife over an OB because here in Canada, you can choose to have either a midwife mm. or an OB um, at no cost. So it is covered by our healthcare here, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, like so I went with a midwife and I reached out early on because I knew other girlfriends had always needed to call a midwife ASAP because they're, um, you know, taken very quickly in the game. Right. And um, once I was there, I perused their library, you know, every single week. So I started reading things from Ina May, like spiritual um, midwifery, and started reading about um, water birth. And just was really fascinated with the fact that I guess babies can, you know, um, don't don't um, to breathe once they're born in water right away. Um, and they can still live, right? <laughs> so I just came across all of these uh, cool facts and uh, figured out that um, there was this gradual, well, I guess not really gradual, kind of, it almost happened overnight, this um, idea that birth should be happening in the hospital and not at home. And it all, you know, came about in the 1950s or so on, where it was kind of seen as cool um, to go to the hospital and only, you know, people in a poor situation or not the best social circumstances should be having their child at home. Mm. So it was like this, I don't know, thing that was trending at the time and, you know, this patriarchy of um, people just, you know, made birth something that was um, something to be fixed or looked at medically. And that just didn't jive with me. I just thought, you know, I'm not sick. I'm pregnant. um, And if I am a low-risk, healthy woman uh, up to this point, there is no reason why I should be in a hospital. And I think a lot of it also um, had to do with the fact that I had never been, knock on wood, in the hospital um, for anything other than, you know, like a a stitch or two Mm. myself at that point. and I was just thinking every single time that I had been to an emergency in, in the hospital, I felt cold. I felt disregarded. I felt kind of ignored. And that was me only being at the hospital for like four hours, right? <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like if I went there to birth um, a human. And <laughs> I think that I had talked to some of my other friends who were just um, disappointed with their birth story. And I think one um, thing or thread that followed every birth story that I had heard, or most of them, was that disregard of the staff at the hospital towards their natural inclination, right? So they wanted to move around, but they couldn't because they kind of felt under hospital pressure and under hospital guidelines. And these were all women that were low-risk, healthy individuals up to that point. Um, and then, you know, I started watching documentaries about home birth and got my husband to sit in on them. And he was a really good sport about that. Um, you know, I can't, uh, I will never forget when I saw Rookie Lake, you know, in a bathtub giving birth. Yeah. And who could, who could? But it was just, <laughs> I think, so awesome for her to, like, you know, expose herself and just uh, promote that awareness that, hey, you know, people can home at birth and it's totally fine. And, you know, um, there's always like a backup plan, but uh, your body will do its best probably in the place that it feels 
most confident in. That um, is very well said. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I'm curious about your husband, mm-hmm. Rich, and what yeah. his feelings were about home birth. Maybe how, what were his ideas on birth before you guys jumped and did your research? And uh, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, so I remember when I um, told him about what I had been reading. And it was really, I think, the first book, after having read the first book, and that was Ina May's um, Guide to Childbirth. And I had told him that I was thinking about just staying at home. And he said to me, you know, what do you mean, stay at home? And then came, you know, that one response that I would hear on and on in the next coming years from people who were just not aware of home birth, you know, statistics or information. And he said to me, what if something goes wrong? What if something happens? And I was like, well, you know, actually, you know, Statistically, from what they know about the 1% of people who choose to home birth in North America, um, most of the times you have people, um, you know, that go on to have very healthy babies and nothing that happens at home would not have happened in the hospital. So God forbid there is, you know, a huge hemorrhage that a mom has or God forbid there is a stillbirth that happens that kind of fatal situation would have happened at home just as much as it would have happened in the hospital. And, you know, nowadays um, with emergency C-sections or the amount that they're being done, um, I was telling him that if we needed to go to the hospital for me to have a C-section, it would take at least half an hour for us to get there. But even if we were at the hospital, it takes them about half an hour to go and prepare Mm. um, the the room for Mm -hmm. surgery. So we would have needed to wait no matter what, half an hour or so. And that kind of, you know, um, settled him a little bit and opened his eyes to different kinds of ways that women are birthing. And clearly, he and just as I hadn't, um, we hadn't been told about these different ways to birth as we were growing up. And I mean, he does have a sister and he has a mom and he has a grandma who actually had six children. Um, But none of them talked about how they birthed, what their experience was. um, If they, you know, questioned going to the hospital or not. Mm. And I think that he is a free thinker and he's a musician too. So he's very artistic and creative and he can look outside of the box. I think he kind of understood that there was a need for us to explore different ways and not just, you know, nod our heads and go along with what everybody else was doing. Um, So yeah, it became an adventure for us and we loved learning about all the different things that home birth would bring. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. So he joined you yeah. in the research and learning and exploring process then, huh? For sure. So he, you know, um, would watch these documentaries, even when I went to uh, bed earlier on, because obviously you're exhausted making a human being. <laughs> so even if I was in bed, he would, you know, throw in a documentary and watch something like the business of being born or other documentaries. Um, and, you know, since even why not home, like yeah. that was like one of the latest ones that obviously we've already had our kids, but um, that was one of the latest ones that he watched all by himself. Mm. And, you know, what started to happen, he was almost proud that we as a couple chose to do things in a different way and chose to um, be able to educate other couples that may be on the same train. Sure. Right? So, became something exciting. I guess it's, it is exciting when you're finding out that you can, um, you know, conduct research for yourself, but also for other people. And, uh, you're not just, you know, um, a robot (laughs) like in society nowadays. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. I mean, Mm -hmm. feeling empowered is exciting and, and feeling like you have some sort of understanding and then, like you said, making that choice for yourself, uh, even if the choice goes against the grain and just sort of standing for what you believe in and standing for what you feel is right and best for you, that definitely is exciting. Exactly. And I think also that um, 
it's it makes for a good story, right? I think it's so cool to be able to say, hey, I had a home birth. And whenever you say that, um, it sparks a conversation. No matter you know, <laughs> if the person doesn't really have a great view on home birth or doesn't really know too much about it, but they always want to know more. And every single time you plant that seed, you can uncover, um, you know, more about it for other people. So, um, you know, we are the promoters and, um, I don't know, I guess the future of home birth because we've done it. So we need to push that awareness. So once again, thanks for hosting this podcast. (laughs) Well, yes, thank you. And to you too. I mean, Azra, you just captured there that, that dash of intentional altruism there to, to the choice and the experience, how you present it as an option to people who might not have known otherwise. I mean, that's what this show is really about is to just open up the, the scope a little bit to see what could be. It doesn't necessarily have to be, and maybe it still doesn't even align with you, but what could be? And I just think that's so cool. And I totally agree with you on the, the conversation sparker of it. You, you certainly aren't without anything at any cocktail party or networking event. You can always uh, yeah. default to, hey, well, I had a home birth. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what I should do with that placenta in yeah. my freezer, right? <laughs> like, the placenta is always the icebreaker. That's so great. So I, I want to yeah. jump ahead for a minute here and go mm-hmm. into some birth details. Uh, you sure. know, there's two here, so maybe not necessarily full play-by-play of each one, mm-hmm. but I know we've talked a little bit offline, you know, before this interview and some of our correspondence about the difference in the two of them. And that's something I'm yeah. always fascinated by. And we've come up with a lot on the show is just the, the difference in birth experiences. So maybe you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So um, both of my births, if you put them down on paper, which I actually have, yes. um, I am a blogger and um, I run my Instagram apparently like a full-time job. <laughs> I was just joking to my husband that I need an assistant to help me with all the content that I have in my head and producing. Um, but after my son was born, I started putting um, his birth story together, and you can access it on my website. It's dirtymercymama.com, and I have a little blog there. But um, when he was born, I wrote it all out. It is um, a story, I guess, of transition, um, literally, figuratively, um, you know, there is a play on words there with like transition and birth because it was probably the hardest thing that I've had to write. And also when you read it, you're like, wow, she's very sarcastic. And it doesn't seem like she enjoyed her birth month. Mm. You know what? It is true. Um, with my son, I had every intention of having a home birth. Um, I had great midwifery care or what I thought was great midwifery care up until my birth. And, um, we uh, rented a birth pool with both of our kids, actually. And statistically, like I said, both births were the same. So they were all under three hours, so very fast. Wow. And um, with my son, my firstborn, my water broke first, and then my labor started. So I didn't have any you know, contractions that began, and then my uh, water broke later on. With my daughter, my water broke right at the end as I was pushing her out. And, um, I mean, once again, precipitous birth, three hours long from start to finish, and uh, both ended in the birth pool. But my firstborn birth was, like I always like to say, almost traumatic. Maybe not almost. It was actually traumatic. Mm -hmm. And... The reason for that, I think, is because I had read so much about birth and so much about, you know, trusting your body and surrendering to the experience up to that point. Um, and I had read all of the, you know, stats on what a first-time mom should go through that when my birth ended up being completely different than what I had read, I was just in shock. So, as you know, most of us know, a first-time mom uh, usually usually has a birth that will last like 16 hours or more, and obviously that birth is you know um, coming in stages. So, mm-hmm. like early labor, and then 
you know, um, once your contractions pick up, you're like in the middle stages and then in the end, it really intensifies. While with my son, I felt like, you know, five trucks had hit me all of a sudden and um, I just needed to drop to my knees and like sit on that toilet because that's the only spot that I felt comfortable in. Mm. A lot of us for some reason, right? That like toilet that just just so uh, comforting <laughs> for mom and labor. I'm not sure why. But because my birth happened so quickly, so my water broke, and then, um, you know, I tried going up the stairs, like, once, and I fell to my knees in a very bad, bad contraction, I didn't trust what I had just read about. And my midwife was there, but she was very um, disconnected, I would say. I do know that midwives, just as much as OBs, need to keep track of birth or nurses, I guess, at the hospital. So she was doing a lot of paperwork. She wasn't really in tune with what was happening with me. Mm. So I was very scared. She kept telling me that, you know, oh, I'm fine. And she would pat my head and just kind of patronize me a little bit, you know, um, mm. saying like, oh, it can't be that bad. Or, oh, you're probably not that um, well along anyway. And then the next thing you know, um, I'm just telling them to blow up that birth pool or sorry, fill that birth pool because I am in labor. Like this is legit. And she wouldn't believe me. And she checked me and she's like, Oh, wait a minute. You know, you're already at seven centimeters. So yeah, let's, let's put some water in that tub. Hmm. So my husband was there. Right. And he is frantic. And um, he had just finished playing a show that night. And like I said, he's a musician. It wasn't that far away. Um, He's running home, he's filling that birth pool, and uh, he really is trying to get some guidance from me, I guess. But I was so consumed by the experience that yeah. I, I didn't really know how to direct him uh, without getting irritated and frustrated. So, oh my God, you know, like now looking back on it, um, that takes strength, you know, to all the men out there that are next to your woman or any partner story, like any partner that's there next to a birthing partner, like that takes guts, right? Seeing somebody in major pain or, you know, having their body just like being taken control of and not being able to do anything, like major props, okay? Major <laughs> props to all the partners out there. But so, you know, um, eventually I got into the pool and um, I thought I was dying, to be quite honest. And at that moment where I thought, you know, God, just take me or universe, just take my body and clearly I'm going to die. Um, I felt my body needing to push. Mm. So uh, I think I was pushing for about an hour of that three hour labor oh. and it was very heavy. And within the pause of those contractions is where I felt like a mild release. Mm. And I remember between thinking that I'm about to die um, and what should I be doing next, you know, other than just letting myself die, I I don't know what it was. It was like I visualized a tunnel or I visualized a bridge and I was so scared. But then I said to myself, okay, Azra, you can't go back from this point. Clearly, there's no pause button on your body that you can just push. Um, and, you know, pause this moment. So how are you going to do this? Like, figure it out, right? Mm. Um, and the only way that I saw out of this predicament was to just go through it, right? So the only way through the pain or out of the pain is to just go through it. So I visualized this tunnel, this bridge, and the only way that I was going to, you know, get to the other side was just by, like, going across it. And that's exactly what I did. And man, like, I think I had spoken to probably 10 other moms after, like in the year after that birth. And surprisingly, a lot of them um, felt the same way. Like they all told me that at some point in their birth, they thought they were dying, right? Like during transition, you usually think you can't go on, but it's the point that you're closest to the birth. Um, but they had also visualized that, the only thing that, you know, is going to get them out of this is to just, like, hold on tight, 
and go for it, right? Um, so it's really interesting, you know, how our subconscious um, propels that kind of image into the head of like a birthing mom um, without us having talked to each other about it before. Hmm. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply so i had Right. I had survived my labor with my son. And um, gosh, to be honest, the reason why I switched to midwifery clinics with my uh, next birth was probably, um, you know, um, caused due to that midwife just being so disconnected. And um, I had somebody show up, a second midwife show up that I had never met before. She ended up actually being a godsend and she ended up being so sweet, but it was literally a stranger walking into my house mm-hmm. that I had never met before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after that, um, I didn't really have a good, I guess, feeling about having become a mom. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have a good labor. Uh, when they put my son on my chest, we hadn't figured out the sex before, but to be quite frank, I didn't even want to know it. So they just put the baby on my chest and I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know, it's a he. Um, I'm just glad I survived that entire experience. Wow. So it took me a while to, you know, connect with my baby. I didn't have that instant love that everybody talked about. And once again, you know, I felt like a weirdo, right? Like I didn't have that textbook birth. I didn't have that instant connection everybody talked about. So what was wrong with me? And then afterwards, after I put everything down on paper, um, it really allowed me to, you know, come to terms with what had just happened. It was like I was suffering some kind of like post-traumatic stress, right? Um, Because the midwives kind of take care of the baby and the focus isn't so much there on mom and, you know, what mom just went through. It's all on the baby. And mind you, yes, they're the most fragile and they need the most attention, but mom does too. So for second baby, when I became pregnant, um, you know, our first was about a year old. And even after all that trauma, I decided to have another child because, you know, you forget and you see your child growing up and you want them to have a sibling. So even after all of that, we decided to have another. And for that time around, my mind really opened up. So I said to myself, hey, if if I decide to go to the hospital and get pain relief, because clearly, you know, birth means dying, um, kind of does because like your yourself as you had known it has died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more like rebirth though, right? Yeah. But I said to myself, even if I went to the hospital for the second birth, that's fine. You know, it doesn't mean I'm a disappointment to myself because I couldn't have another home birth. Um, and you never know where life or childbirth story is going to take you. Um, so I had every intention of maybe, you know, laboring at home and then eventually going to the hospital. But I probably really wanted that pain relief because I knew that I did not do well with it. Near the end, though, maybe like five or six months um, along with my second child, I started revisiting the idea of home birth and I started saying to myself, you know what, that is what I'm about. Maybe um, there are some gaps that need to be filled and me needing to revisit some things will help 
you know, um, help create another home birth experience for us. So what I decided to do was just like sit on it and sit on those feelings and really, you know, ask myself, why did I have such a bad time the first time around? And um, it was because I had bought into all of that statistical stuff, all of those theories on paper. And once the experience came around, I didn't really feel it. I wasn't present in the moment. I was Mm. fighting it. And everything they say about home birth uh, is based on surrendering to that present moment. And I was just fighting it, right? Like I did not want that baby to come out. So the next time around, I actually enrolled in a hypnobirthing course. And since I was working, you know, full time at an office, the only times that I could really have time for that were uh, during drives to my work and back and at nighttime. So I bought a course called um, Hypnobubs. It's actually a course curated in Australia. And um, it was so easy and, you know, didn't break the bank. And I would listen to the tracks that really affirmed um, body positivity and kind of fostered that understanding that your body is made to do this. If you are, once again, low risk and healthy, there's no reason you can't have a baby at home. And you just need to relax, right? So the key is to relax. But once again, how do you do that? You're like being attacked. You feel like your body's out of control and something's attacking you. And uh, I think letting go is really hard for most of us. So I enrolled in that and I really didn't think it was doing anything. You know, I would just like sit back and listen to the tracks. Um, A lot of them, you know, promoted uh, repetition of certain sayings like, um, you know, um, my body was made to do this. I feel relaxed and confident in the ability to birth. Um, My baby is healthy and um, once again, you know, wants to be birthed, positive things like that. And of course, you know, in the home birthing community, we all know that um, the name that you give to different experiences will um, change your perspective on them as well. So instead of right uh, calling a contraction a contraction, you call them, um, help me out here. Pressure waves <laughs> like, or something to that effect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, um, uh, like a like a wave or mm-hmm. yeah you should visualize it as a wave coming on you and um you know coming on you and then going away again or um like sensation um, over pain that sort of thing exactly yeah. exactly so removing those labels like pain um you know discomfort um anything i guess with a negative connotation will help you understand that birth really is natural and really, I mean, as a female with, you know, the right, uh, I guess, resources, uh, you should be able to um, get that baby out. And um, you just need to believe in yourself. So I'm doing all of this and, you know, practicing hypnobirthing. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I've become such a hippie, right? Like, I've become <laughs> such a um, hocus pocus, you know, kind of woman. And I just didn't even want to tell people that I was practicing hypnobirthing mm. because they probably looked at me like I'm a weirdo because I guess um, hypnotherapy or I guess hypnosis, what do people really know about that? I guess right. most of us know about hypnosis by having gone to these shows that are put on by some kind of, you know, person um, at high school, right? Like we go to... Um, a theater and someone puts on a show for us and we're all thinking like, yeah, right. You know, like hypnosis is such BS, you know, um, for lack of better word, but I was doing it. And even when my birth started, I was thinking, I don't know if it'll work, but whatever, I'll just try it. So with my daughter, um, you know, wrap up here about her birth, it was, completely different um, in the way that I entered it. So my contractions actually did start before my water broke. So slowly I felt those, you know, similar to menstrual cycle contractions. 
And um, at one point, you know, it was probably like an hour and a half in, called my midwife and I knew I was in labor. But the entire time I played a track from my hypnobirthing course. And really, it was just the um, course creator. Uh, her name's Melissa Spielstead. And in this, you know, wonderful Australian accent, she just guided me, you know, through these waves and through this um, movement of the baby going down my uterus, right? So I literally visualized that every single contraction was just, you know, um, part of my physical body expelling that baby out. So every time, you know, I felt um, that surge, right? That's the word surge or contraction come over me. I knew that it was literally like um, an expelling of the baby. Um, It like pushed me closer to have the baby every single time that happened. And the one word that I repeated the entire time to myself in my head was opening. Mm. So I literally, you know, once a contraction would hit me, I would say out loud, opening, 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 opening. And I would just repeat that until it stopped. And it is ridiculous, but I felt so focused and it was obviously very hard, right? And I had no pain relief um, as, you know, all home birthing moms, uh, do not have, but I felt like it was a breeze almost, right? Mm-hmm. So having gone into it with like um, a plan of just surrender to that rhythm of labor and surrender to my body made the aftermath or the postpartum period for me completely different too. So looking back on it, you know, I felt empowered through both births. Even mm. though my son's was, you know, very hectic and very stressful and traumatic. Um, and there's Mila just chiming in. Hi, yeah. Mila. Hey there. Hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, you know, they were both really empowering me because I remember after my son was born, wanting wanting to call my mom and just, you know, apologize to her uh, <laughs> for having ever been a brat to her because I understood yeah. that. Oh my goodness, like women do this all over the world, you know, nonstop. Like, I know I can totally relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I was in awe. I was in awe that I was able to, you know, be part of that community um, of mothers and that nobody gave them enough credit. Like I was almost mad that we go through these birthing experience, uh, uh, birthing experiences, and nobody even blinks an eye, right? Yeah. I mean, like we we have some something, okay, like a child, but something take over our body for nine months or longer, and um, go through this crazy change in our lives. And nobody even, I mean, I guess people sometimes get push presents from their partner. <laughs> but other than that, like, it is so, um, I don't know, just not talked about enough yeah. and not praised enough. Right. So, um, yeah. And even the, the surroundings to my second birth were different because I had, um, like visual reminders all around me. I had printed out affirmations and, um, you know, I I guess I had kind of not coached, but like my husband and I had talked about before how we would go about these things. And I told him that, you know, we didn't have a doula at that time, but I told him he would kind of be my like male doula and I would need him to remind me of my power. Like if he, mm. he saw me waning at all or, you know, retreating and saying things like, I can't do this, um, I needed him to be that little... Um, voice in my ear saying, yes, you can, you know, um, and to remind me of that power. So afterwards I had a connection with my baby like instantly. And, um, I can't help but think that she's just a much more Zen baby than my uh, son is Mm -hmm. because of the way that she was birthed. Mm -hmm. To be quite honest, I hear that, you know, some, 
some women have crazy traumatic births, but the child is very zen until. But, you know, for me, um, my son is very high energy and um, just nonstop all of the time, <laughs> whereas my daughter is very relaxed. And, like, when I looked at her in those first few weeks after having that positive birth, I thought to myself, like, this baby is an old soul. Like, I'm mm. looking into her eyes oh. and thinking she knows there's something up and like she can feel the energy, um, you know, that has lingered in her probably from that birth experience. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're both great kids, obviously, but um, I just can't help, but, um, you know, make those connections. So I think, you know, mental preparedness made the biggest difference for me. Mm. Um, and also having a good um, support system in place. And, you know, if, if people can't have uh, other individuals there with them, at least reaching out to the community, the birthing community, or gathering other stories um, in preparation for birth, right? So, like, listening to um, podcasts about birth, obviously, will kind of um, let you know that birth happens in all sorts of different ways. And even if it doesn't go by plan or by your plan, you still need to know that um, you have to release, right, um, whatever preconceived notion you have and go along with the flow. And that's going to give you your best birthing experience. Um, and I think, you know, having thought about maybe our second home birth and not um, happening at home, I told myself, you know, if it doesn't happen at home, it doesn't mean that it was a failed home birth. Like I always hear about people talking about failed home births and that is, you know, ridiculous to me because every, um, it, you know, if a birth starts at home and it ends up in the hospital, it doesn't mean that it's failed. It just means, you know, there was a change of plan. Um, and you still had like a beautiful baby at the end of it. Um, mm -hmm. And we're open to it. You just need to be open, I think. Mm. That's yeah. amazing. It's, it's almost like you intuited Matthew's next question because he looks at me and he's mm -hmm. you know jotting down notes and question of advice for soon you know moms to be. And you just mm -hmm. went through it so clearly and so eloquently oh. and gave these awesome you know to dos and and steps. I love that and. I also love and really want to acknowledge you in your level of sharing and your candor and your authenticity and vulnerability. And what comes up for me is when you describe and talk about your son's birth, mm -hmm. I think it's really important for those listening who are planning a home birth or who maybe had one that within now the scope that you're in of home birth or holistic approach to birth, there can still be its own unique set of potential for judgment and, and things around your birth. Because now if you're going the home birth route, there might be this assumption that it's just this magical birth experience and nothing yes. can happen that could taint it. Or how could you have a traumatic quote unquote home birth, but birth, mm -hmm. no matter the location, as we kind of alluded to earlier has a unique, unpredictable set of things that can pop up and elements and, you know, things that could go quote unquote wrong could happen anywhere. Same as things that pop up that might make you feel a level of trauma or might make you feel mm -hmm. a loss of control that can still happen at home too. You know, just because you've gone home birth, that doesn't mean any and all potential issues go away. You know, there's still mm -hmm. that, I just, I just appreciated that, that for any mom out there who maybe had a home birth, and of course it's an empowering choice and experience and decision, but you can still have elements of it that maybe were not the perfect birth and you, no one faults you for that and you're not letting anyone down and nothing is failed in that. So I just, I appreciate that perspective because I think there can even within the home birth community be some little, you know, judgments thrown around there, um, around that. Yeah, definitely. I think the judgment is what breaks our bond out mm -hmm. there as, um, you know, parents that can really learn from each other. Uh, it's, it's saddening to me to think that, you know, um, like I, I saw a story on the news the other day and I try to kind of, you know, navigate away from the news yeah. these days. 
because it's like people are cherry picking what they're mm-hmm. you know presenting out there. But uh, it was just a headline about like how this mom assaulted her like baby or something. And that was it. Like, that's all it said. And most people out there are thinking like, oh, my goodness, how could she? And they don't consider like the background of it. Like maybe she's had a traumatic life. Maybe she's had postpartum depression. God forbid, you know, she has postpartum psychosis mm. um, and nobody um, takes into consideration all of the little things that um, had led to that point. And mm. judgment is the worst, like one mom can do to another mom or parent can do to another parent because mm-hmm. we're all in together on this like crazy mess um, <laughs> full of, you know, like ups and downs, It's the best thing and the the most insane thing that can happen to you, I think. Um, but it makes us, um, or it propels us to change, right? Mm. It's change brings with a transformation, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So I actually wanted to say that a lot of people, when they hear about my birth, and I say that they were three hours eat, tell me how um, lucky I mm. was, right? Yeah, so yeah. The, first thing they say to me is like, wow, you're so lucky because mine was like 30 hours long and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why are you comparing right. our birthing experiences? Um, you have no clue, you know, what your level of pain is or like my threshold of pain is. Um, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. just because you see the stats doesn't mean that you know the whole story. So I appreciate you, you know, like pointing out the fact that um, we all have different experiences and they're just as, um, valid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but Absolutely. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as we kind of wrap up here, Azra, I want you to mm-hmm. share for a moment, a dirty mercy mama and just how that mm-hmm. came about and what it is and how people can connect with you, um, going forward. Yeah. So, um, after my firstborn, I, you know, went back to my office job and I actually love my office job. Um, I work in the insurance world and most people don't say they love their insurance job, but I always did. I I was like, you know, staying busy. Um, That's probably why I had two kids under two. (laughs) (laughs) But um, aside from that, you know, as I was writing my um, story about my home birth, I realized that a lot of people liked reading it. So I kept going with it because I've always been a writer of like poetry and short stories, but um, I started this blog and then I started sharing our uh, family story on Instagram and you can find me on Instagram under Dirty Mercy Mama, that's M-A-M-A. And um, I connected with different moms and different, um, I guess, childbirth educators in the birthing community, different doulas, and it propelled me to actually go and get my certification as a childbirth educator and a postpartum doula. I um, even went so far uh, to get my birth doula education going when I was pregnant with my daughter. Mm. And, uh, you know, like after I finished my uh, day job, I would go to my birth doula course, which was like, once a week for four hours every Wednesday or something like that. And um, that helped me spread the message about, um, you know, proper birth support being important out there and um, raise awareness to the postpartum period, which is so vulnerable and mm. so important in, like, creating um, a good dynamic, like, between you and your partner and you and your children and it's hardly talked about, I think. So you can follow me on my Instagram. You can follow me on my blog. Um, I also, you know, do do our services here in our Guelph region as well as Kitchener-Waterloo, Cambridge. And, um, um, you know, not as far as Toronto, but I have a lot of friends there. And I just love being a voice, you know, for other moms that wish they could say certain things but feel judged. And, you know, being real about things is what's going to propel change and make people feel more capable, I think, of sharing things that they, um, I guess, need help with, right? And I actually just um, connected in the last little bit with um, 
some individuals from Toronto who have started, um, you know, telling everybody that children should be raised with, um, you know, uh, a focus on mindfulness, just as parents should, Mm. right? So affirmations for kids are just as important as affirmations for like the birthing mom or a parent. And um, the company that I actually want to give a shout out to is called Love Powered Co. And they just made um, affirmation cards for kids. So they're literally these like cute little cards um, with, you know, drawings of like bunnies and mouses on them Mm -hmm. um, that say things like, um, I am confident or I am smart or I am capable or things like I can and I will. Um, There are cards that you can, you know, like read to your kids at bedtime or whenever you want. And it kind of instills in them like these messages that, you know, they can do what they set their mind to just as any adult um, can. And after having, you know, my awesome um, hypnobirthing experience, I feel like um, I'm a, I'm an awesome brand ambassador for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, it's not like they sponsor me or anything. This is like me sharing my, um, oh yeah. Yeah. That's Mila. Um, also <laughs> She's a firm. That. She's about it too. <laughs> really? Yeah. She believes it. She, that's you know, awesome. like I read the cards to her as a baby, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, gosh, I don't think that we, we left anything out during our discussion here, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's such a crazy time, you know, after becoming um a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to figure out gosh, how to be a mom, how to be a dad, how to not, you know, divorce your spouse if you <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, with all that stress and all, all that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um figuring out how to be yourself or find yourself yeah, within, within all the of midst it. of all of it, yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, I think um, my my biggest reason to one of my biggest reasons behind, um, you know, writing and like displaying, I guess, uh, my insights on like everyday parenting um, was that you need to find yourself and you need to, well, create your new identity, right? You kind of say bye bye to that identity, um, your former identity once your kids are here. But um you know, find time for yourself and don't lose sight of it because once your kids are out of the house and you have an empty nest, you're going to be left with yourself. So when you look in the mirror, you know, you better have things to talk to yourself about, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and right? The, and yeah. Well, we, we love what you do and your message and, and all of that. And so we're going to put links to everything in the show notes Links to your Instagram, your website. We'll find a link to Love Powered Co. So folks can go check out those awesome affirmation cards for kids. And um, Azra, mm-hmm. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining Sarah and I. Um, I truly appreciate your realness. I, you know, like Sarah, like Sarah mentioned, you know, as you started talking about your first birth and the way you described it and just your mm-hmm. authenticity with that, I, I appreciate you saying that because there's folks out there who needed to hear it because potentially they were going down that path of just reading all of the things and getting caught up in the stats and, and, you know, but your message of, you know, really preparing yourself mentally and finding your support system and, you know, believing in yourself and surrendering. Um, I, I think that's, that's amazing. And it, it, it really shows in your, in the, the birth stories of your two beautiful kiddos. So thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for, you know, uh, providing me with a platform to share um, and providing everybody else you have so far with a platform to share. I think that is um, the best thing you can do. And you're heroes, I think, for that. Um, And yeah, like you said, just because, you know, you're a female and you have those reproductive things in place that enable you to birth doesn't mean um, the experience is going to feel natural. It's actually going to feel like everything is out of control, but that doesn't mean that it can't be positive. Um, You just need to, you know, um, have an open mind to it and um, 
listen to the Doing It At Home podcast. <laughs> you said <laughs> it. You got it. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, I had the best time. Quick note about the Doing It At Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved. Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.